Cynic Empowerment. Welcome, everyone. This is Cynic Empowerment. My name is Jimmy Horn. And I'm Tim Carpenter. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, Jimmy, have you ever felt oppressed by the uh, amount of debt that you carry around with you? No. This crushing sensation. Never have. I don't have that. That's pretty lucky. Uh, you know what? I've never had that. And neither have I. Uh, we are outliers in in this world at the moment. Uh, people who have been able to secure a higher education degree typically carry with them a crushing uh, amount of student loan debt. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So uh, because of that, that little example we just gave you, uh, we're not experts on this. We are not economists. So take everything we say here with a grain of salt and let that be your disclaimer. Okay? Absolutely. So this is a problem. No? Yes, it is, Tim. You can't just say it's not a problem. <laughs> it's not a problem. Well, I mean, like, we don't deal with it. So if we don't deal with it, that means there are other people out there that aren't dealing with it. Well. And our lives have gone perfectly after college. <laughs> yeah. um, we're doing a free podcast <laughs> also no no uh so there uh yeah it's it's definitely a problem because it uh, so many people are dealing with it the average amount of uh student debt is seventeen thousand dollars so you've got you know people like us that are on the no debt scale bringing that number way down but then you have people on the opposite side of the scale there's people out there with like over well over a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Uh, these are generally people that have gone on to not only get a bachelor's degree but also a master's and maybe a PhD as well. But still, mm. that is that is a fucking house. They have a, a a literal house load of debt. Like if they could go and buy a house, but they didn't have it. And so obviously this has a lot of uh, negative uh circumstances on the individual of it holding them back uh from a financial perspective of not being able to make certain economic decisions due to this debt um so yeah so but yeah it's definitely a big problem they've, they've purchased a house you know they have a house of knowledge goddamn they've obtained <laughs> through whatever kind of university or college that has sold them this product <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely fact, a product uh, i think that's that's the difficult part uh to researching this subject in particular uh a lot of economists like so many other sectors of of um you know and variables that they try to dissect uh they look at education uh in an abstract sense as a product as something that is is bought and sold as something that is traded uh, and I think that's the mentality that kind of, uh, one, allows us to discuss this in the way that we are, mm -hmm. uh, but two, uh, separates us from the importance of what education actually is, more so than just a product, uh, but as a way that our society can progress overall uh, and how it needs to be alleviated from uh, our understandings of capitalist uh, economics in general. Absolutely. Um, a, a little bit of background for you all out there. Um, and some of our listeners uh, included uh, have we Jimmy and I both attended the same college. Uh, we did. And it, it was a bit of an unusual circumstance. Uh, it, there's there's no reason why we can't use names on this. Right, Jimmy? Like we can. We can give a shout out. We, we can't say our college. That's illegal. No, I'm just kidding. You can bring up the college. <laughs> well, I was like, I was trying to think, like, would Berea, like, send these headhunters after us if we started talking about the college? I mean, we're going to speak about it favorably for the most part. Yeah, for the so, most part. You know, why not? Uh, so uh, we went to a place, uh, a small liberal arts college in eastern Kentucky known as Berea College. Mm -hmm. Now – Berea College has a little bit of an unusual setup. Uh, the uh, applicants uh, will only be accepted if they are below uh, a certain uh, income level, according to the FAFSA. Yeah. So if you fall into that group of people, uh, 
then you can your application will will be uh, accepted for consideration uh and through the course of your your stay at Berea College your tuition will be paid for uh in addition to some other uh, unusual uh, standards like having to work a minimum of 10 hours a week on whatever kind of uh, uh what would you call it a work study program yeah definitely definitely yeah I would call it a work study uh, program yeah, only one of two colleges in Kentucky do that, uh, and I think uh, across the nation, there's, you know, probably less than, you know, a hundred colleges that that do something yeah. uh, to that effect. Uh, but just about everybody that graduates from Berea College uh, graduates debt free because yeah. of the this sliding scale uh, that they they utilize in accordance with the FAFSA. Uh, now, Berea College also has one of the largest endowments according to its – in accordance to its size in the nation, uh, over a billion dollars. Yeah. Uh, and that was – well, that was in 2012, so just prior to us graduating. Uh, it was like $1.02 billion or something like that. Uh, and this is for uh, – do, do you know what our graduating class size was? Do you, do you remember exactly? Um, what was it like? I don't even know. Like what? Five hundred students? Yeah, they admitted like thirteen hundred or something like that. Or, or they, you know, they they had thirteen hundred students on campus as of year before last. Oh, really? So, I mean, if that if that gives you an idea of the size of the institution uh, in relation to the endowment, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and this comes from a lot of places. Uh, some of it came from the Pell Grant, uh, which was a hot and button issue in the uh, Obama, Obama administration. And as you'll see over the course of this talk, uh, student student loans uh, or the student debt crisis, whatever you'd like to call it, uh, is always a contentious issue in political discourse. Uh, it, it tends to um, – uh, find itself at opposite ends of the spectrum frequently. Uh, and this is no surprise that the Pell Grant was part of that, uh, being a, an educational subsidy uh, for colleges like Berea. Yep. Um, so in addition to that, there are a lot of uh, private individuals uh, and corporations that believe in uh, Berea's uh, you know, founding principles and also donate in order to help make up that endowment. Uh, all in all, I mean, it's, you know, obviously they don't have to list exactly where all of their endowments coming from, mm -hmm. but let's just suffice to say that it's a little bit vague and it's a whole lot of money. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. They've been earning it for a while <laughs> that they have. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, to, the, I, guess, I guess to start off the podcast, Tim and I are very fortunate in that we don't have to yes. deal with something that the vast majority of students in this country have to deal with due to us getting accepted into this institution. So if yeah. you are looking for a, a work college and you're interested in Berea College and you're trying to find college less expensive, less debt, yes. it might be something worth looking into. Oh, Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Anybody that's uh, – especially if you are in the Appalachian region of the United States uh, or even slightly outside of that. I think Berea has constantly been trying to expand uh, their recruitment outside of the Appalachian region and even in you know many, many countries internationally. Uh, there, there were over 70 countries uh, represented when, when we were going to school there. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, apply. You can't can't hurt to apply, and it it's a good place. Like I mean, it's out in the middle of nowhere, uh, and uh, it, you're in like a, a little liberal bubble, but it's fun. It's it's a it's a whole lot of fun, guys. Give it a shot. <laughs> and, and the fact that you won't have any kind of student debt afterwards uh, should be <laughs> the the nail in the proverbial coffin. I don't think I used that right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> About uh, that. The tipping point. Uh, Something like that. Uh, okay, so other other students don't exactly have the same fortunate circumstances right. we did. But and and I think uh, as millennials, uh, we're all aware that college used to be a lot less expensive than it is now. Like there, you've probably have seen a graph or a chart or something like that 
floating around the Facebooks or other places where it's like, oh, cost of college, like 1970, like a hundred dollars a semester, just something insane. <laughs> and then you like look at people's tuition bills now where people are spending like $8,000 plus a semester sure. uh, just to stay in these institutions. And so I was kind of like trying to look at like different things that have changed over time. And so, and once again, we're not experts, but one thing that I was like looking at is the correlation between the federal government giving money to individuals trying to attend college. And so financial aid in the United States more or less uh, got its beginnings in 1965 when Lyndon B. Johnson signed the Higher Education Act of, of 1965. And so essentially this was the beginning of United States being like, okay, not everyone can afford college. Let's try to help people out, start doing different things. I don't think the Pell Grant came out at this time, but it's kind of set the foundation for things like the Pell Grant and other kinds of scholarships that would enable uh, less fortunate individuals to afford college. Because up until this point, it was primarily middle class and above middle class people that uh, their parents would, would pay the way for their their children's college. Or you could also maybe hear like an anecdotal story of like, I used to go and look at the local uh, Dairy Queen in the summer and then I would use my pittance of 25 cents an hour to pay... <laughs> For my school. And then, and like, they try to tell you how, like, they pull themselves up by their bootstraps. And it's just like, uh, bitch, yeah. please. Like, if I worked at Dairy Queen the entire summer, I would have, like, less than $2,000. And it wouldn't even pay for one semester of college. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Seriously, <laughs> sit there, like, don't talk down to me. Like, you're doing the math while they're saying all this. Yeah. Like, well, that, that doesn't add up. Like, how in the world were you able to pay for this? Uh, and... I think it has something to do with the fact that many millennials are much more conscious of all of the uh, additional help that they receive outside of just how much money is inside their own bank account. Yeah, uh, a lot of people have have great parents uh, and come from uh, a lineage of individuals that also have. Uh, uh, an understanding of how student loans work or government loans work, private loans, as well as uh, experience in, in the education sectors. Uh, I had one parent at least that uh, graduated with a four-year degree. Uh, and I think a, a lot of people we went to school with, uh, you know, in fact, that may have contributed to the fact that they were accepted were first year or not first year, but uh, first generation uh, college goers. Uh, but all in all, that's becoming increasingly less common. And, and I think we can attribute that primarily to things like the I Higher Education Act of 1965, which you were talking about the Pell Grant. That did come uh, from that. Okay, so the Pell Grant did come from that. Okay, yeah. so so yeah, so it set the foundation. And, and it's kind of like causation doesn't – or no, correlation doesn't, doesn't always equal causation. So I'm going to make some theories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> On why it's totally factual. Everybody just take it. Why college education is so expensive now? Uh, because I mean, even the stuff that I'm going to be saying is debated uh, on by academics and elsewhere. But mm -hmm. it makes sense. So, so now we have the situation where more people can afford college, be able to go to college, um, and and, be, and we definitely have like that push during the the 90s and the 80s. Of basically everyone needs to go to college, whether or not you know what the hell you want to get your degree in or what you want to do. Um, right. College uh, is being forced more and more down everyone's throats, regardless of desired goals. And so you basically have an increase uh, in demand in these institutions without like an increase in supply and also yes. unlimited funding uh, from not only institutions from the government to help fund uh, these uh, people, students trying to go to school, but also you have private sector loans and other things you can obtain to pay for these institutions. And at the same time, you also have an, uh, an increase in, in private institutions, uh, private schools that 
are for-profit schools. Yeah, business, private businesses that sell you an education yep. um, that aren't bound by morals. They are, they're a business. Yeah, they're money making ventures. It, yeah, and so they're they're yeah they're they're trading you an education uh, at a cost. And yeah. so when you look at any of these charts of like prices of uh, of um, education over time. And you compare the increase in costs from these private institutions to these public institutions, the private institutions have exponentially gotten more expensive over time. As And, and as I'm theorizing that they have found out the best way to obtain as much money from, from the students going to these schools, they, they've figured out exactly how much federal assistance, because there are private institutions that don't have access to federal assistance, and the the prices of these institutions have not gone up exponentially as the private institutions that do have access to federal funding to, air quotes, assist their students pay for their education. So they're literally just gaming the system and yes. taking advantage of their students in the process. This is the exact same reason why healthcare is so expensive in America, because... Um, um, school, I mean, not schools, uh, hospitals, their administrations have these people that figure out exactly how much they can charge for a pill of aspirin and have it be covered by their insurance, how much they can charge for an mm -hmm. x-ray and figure out exactly how much the insurance will cover so they can charge the highest, most exponential amount possible. Essentially, these for-profit institutions counters. are doing the exact same things. Yeah, bean counters. Yeah, it's... It's pretty disgusting. And while yeah. public institutions have gone up uh, as well, um, even accounting for inflation, uh, the, uh, I think a reason for that is the amenities and things that you, as services you have in public colleges aren't the same as they had in the 70s. Like I remember I went to uh, Stephen F. Austin just like to look at their campus uh, when I was looking for colleges before I, I picked Berea and they had like a fucking like rock climbing gym inside of their, uh, their gym yeah. area, just like state of the art. Like it might as well have been like a resort. Right. But it's just yeah. there for students to work out at. And, and then it's you have, expensive. and it's expensive. It's super expensive. And there's all these like non teacher positions that mm. these colleges will have now just, I guess to, compete with all the other colleges that offer all these different things and if you like look at colleges in like the 60s and 70s they didn't have any of this shit their dorm rooms didn't even probably have like air conditioning and heating they're just like these uh -huh. basic little buildings I mean, they probably had heating but they probably didn't have air conditioning <laughs> there's like these basic little buildings uh not a lot of different amenities like people just went to college for the education and that's all the institutions were charging you for where nowadays it's like you have this uh high scale apartment that's your dorm that you live in with all this like fancy stainless steel appliances and Right. I don't know. Not, not necessary to getting an education. It certainly makes it easier and more comfortable, yeah. which is attractive for the modern individual. But when you think back over the course of human history, how often were students treated in the same way that monastics were? Like they're, they're going to be uh, bare minimum, uh, almost completely ascetic. Like they're, they're not going to have any of the, the modern comforts, and that's not something that they're supposed to be attracted to. There's always that separation, right? right. You have the population who are you know, just regular old civilians or, or even military personnel for that matter that are doing their own thing. But the, you know, the professional scholars are, are going to be demarcated by uh, their minimalist approaches for the, for the most part mm -hmm. until you, you, know, you start to see this blend of education with the aristocracy. Uh, and I, I think that influences, you know, ultimately what's going on here. Yeah. You know, the only people that deserve an education are the people that can afford to pay for it. Uh, but then, of course, you have these these loans as a method for individuals like us who didn't yeah. have the money to pay for uh, these this obscenely costed product uh, to be able to still have a shot uh, to still be able to be competitive in the job market, which. That's the reason why the majority of these, you know, the majority of kids these days are encouraged to go to college, you know, the 80s and the 90s and so forth. Uh, 
it, it's so that you can get a good job. It's so that you can make money one day. It's so that you don't have to just be forced around uh, by these, uh, you know, these czars of industry that are going to force you to work all the way up through entry level positions uh, yep. to some kind of shitty minimum wage job that you didn't want to do in the first place. Yep. And but uh, education yeah. hasn't really influenced it all that much because now there's there's such a there's such a great boon in the form of federal subsidy that so many people are able to get an education or so many so many people are able to get a loan in order to uh, you know uh, uh, try to get an education try to get a diploma that the market is flooded right. there are so many people that are uh, over experienced for the job that they're doing or not yeah. not over experienced but over educated for the job that they're doing yeah we have <laughs> Uh, a surplus of degrees and the value of our degrees has diminished to a disgusting level. Um, yeah. And just to get, add some numbers to reaffirm the things that I was saying earlier. So the, the average cost of getting an associate's degree, this isn't a bachelor's degree. This isn't um, a, you know, some other, uh, it's just a, you know, two year associate's degree at a for-profit university was $35,000. Jeez. Associate's degree. Well, at the same time, getting an associate's degree at a not-for-profit community college is only $8,000. So it's just like, yeah, they're, they're awful. Um, That's pretty bad. And like, and not only that, like, so you would think like, well, if they're, if it costs like a lot more money, then it, maybe it's a better product, right? Maybe I'm paying <laughs> more money for a better product, but not so, Tim. Not so. No. So these institutions spend a lot less money per student. So apparently for-profit colleges on mm. average spend $2,050 per student on their instruction, while yeah. public colleges spend on average $7,000. So it's like, yeah. It's just every aspect of the for-profit institution is awful. They charge you more. They spend less on you. Uh, apparently, in some other studies, it shows that you're less likely to um, get a job after college from a for-profit institute than a not-for-profit institute. And that even like – so they're, they'll usually have like these st statistics to like say like, oh, well, if you go to our college, like you're definitely going to get a job after you leave here. The issue with that is apparently they'll do this fucked up shit. Like, let's say you got like uh, a, a degree in architecture from some for-profit institution. But then when you leave, you ended up working at Home Depot because you couldn't get an architect job. They would yeah. count that as a mark of placement after college of like, yep, we helped you get a job. Check. Uh, we're going to add you to our statistic book of people we helped get a job, even though you're severely underemployed for what you got your education in. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, um, they're so gross. And yeah, they, they catch you in this loop, right? They they try to ensure that you are going to participate in a system of indentured servitude, uh, which is you know what this what this debt is kind of all about to begin with. Uh, to speak a little bit more on the private institutions, though, uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have heard of the ITT Technical Institute. Oh yeah, uh, I've, I've seen the one. commercials. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure a lot of people have seen the commercials. They are they they are they were very aggressive in their advertising campaigns. Yeah. Uh, but as of uh, looks like September twenty or September sixteenth, twenty sixteen, they filed for bankruptcy, closed all of their campuses. Uh, so this is pretty pretty substantial. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of people were. Were totally buying into the ITT Technical Institute yep. mantra. They were trying to study, get their degree, uh, and then sure enough, they end up having to close all of their campuses and filing for bankruptcy. And that degree is worth a pile of shit. Well, do you want to know why they had to file for bankruptcy? Uh, it had a little bit of something to do with uh, the federal government pulling away uh, from subsidizing loans. Exactly. For the <laughs> uh, which is it, – it shows the power of the United States government in, in relation to uh, the longevity of these institutions because if they decide, hey, you guys are, are not accredited or you guys are 
uh, falsifying paperwork or uh, engaging in skeevy practices, uh, underhanded uh, advertising uh, campaigns, then we're going to pull our funding away and suddenly nobody can can pay for your your education. Right. Or, <laughs> education. I wish you guys could hear air quotes. Whoosh, whoosh. There you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and, you know, that's that's pretty shitty. Uh, that's super shitty. Because a, a lot of people who are trying to buy into this idea of an American dream, that are trying to uh, go through the educational gauntlet in order to secure a better life for themselves or their family yep. are just getting smacked down with a crap ton of debt uh, that, in, in all seriousness, is about to be uh, something that is no longer going to be forgiven in the United States. Uh, now, this is something that currently, uh, let's see, uh, you can have your debt forgiven by applying to the U.S. Department of Education for a borrower defense to repayment. Mm -hmm. But thank you, Betsy DeVos. Uh, that might not be the case in 2019. So those of you that nice. have been uh, the victim of fraud in one of these, and I think it's okay to call it fraud. Oh, it's definitely uh, fraud. Yeah, these, especially uh, with the aggressive way they campaign these schools to yep. individuals, I would call it fraud. Yeah, you'll have a job. <laughs> yeah, okay, I want a Wait job. A second. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, our U.S. Secretary of Education is... Uh, you know, not exactly in, in favor of uh, the government trying to help out these little guys, trying to ensure that um, people can get the, their the, uh, the, the creditors can get their due. Yeah, it, yeah, it's fucked up. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Yeah, uh, we're, we're gonna uh, stand up for creditors. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's definitely not a good thing. So everybody, watch out. Yeah. Uh, and that's and that's an institution. Uh, let's see, ITT Tech uh, had been around since the '60s. So, if, if that shows you how quickly, uh, or not how quickly, but how such a large, well-established educational institution, albeit for-profit, uh, can go under in just a, 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 a short number of years, mm -hmm. oh, or just how long it takes for all of these. Um, uh, all of these underhanded, subservient kind of uh, tactics uh, to surface. Uh, maybe yeah. it takes a little bit of time to discover, uh, but they were able to go under the radar for you know God knows how long. Exactly. Yeah, because they're yeah around for sixty years. Who knows how long they were using these awful tactics to mm -hmm. lure students into getting an education that won't pay for itself. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's really gross. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I guess overall, I mean, like I said earlier, public colleges have increased in value as well. I mean, yes. not value in cost, but yeah, it's definitely these for-profit institutions that have the, the bulk of the statistics that you see of like college way more expensive. It, it's these assholes that are really fucking it all up um, yeah. along with, you know, just the different things that institutions offer making it a lot more expensive as you your words they're they're no longer these uh monastic kind of minimal living situations they're a lot more luxury in their scope and everything else they're trying to offer yeah. their students um and that that cost has to be mitigated somehow yeah so why not place it on your students yeah <laughs> exactly yeah they don't, they don't need a masseuse in every dorm but that would be really nice <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly yeah i um, would i would not have been opposed to that having a masseuse in, in my like freshman dorm yeah. It probably, it yeah, yeah, that would have been pretty fantastic. Uh, so student loans. Um, I I uh, I happen to be, uh, despite the fact that I did not have to take out any student loans while I went to college, very lucky at that. Uh, my my wife and I uh, certainly needed to whenever she was uh, whenever she was attending school. Uh, so. To talk a little bit about that, uh, some of these interest rates are pretty high, mm -hmm. uh, and depending on the level of education that you're trying to obtain, of course, you're going to have to take out more money, and the more money you take out, the higher the interest rate gets and so on and so forth. Uh, for example, the average interest rate for a private loan in 2017 was 9.66%, mm -hmm. so if you want to pay about 10% interest 
on your private loan, then by all means, go for it. Uh, yeah. If you're getting one from the government, though, most of them end up being on average around 7%, um, which, you know, it, still it, a think, bit, that's still a lot. Yeah, I think it's debatable uh, whether or not that that's a you know a large sum of money. Also, the you know government has the ability to be able to revise uh, the structuring of your loan after the fact that you actually need to start paying it, um, which occurs short after graduation. <laughs> they, I mean, they're they're right on top of you as as soon as they believe you're able to start paying. But uh, these repayment plans. Uh, can be restructured in order to assist individuals that do not have the capital to be able to pay off, uh, in, in part, full um, – what would you call it? Um, they, they just can't make full payments on it each month, right? right. So, for example, if it was you know a couple thousand dollars and that's pretty much what you need in order to be able to – uh, still pay your your rent and utilities and and all those great things that make our lives comfortable and livable. Yep. <laughs> then they can decrease that amount. But of course, uh, the longer that you're going to be paying it, and this is this is all very common sense stuff. The longer that you're going to be paying that, the more interest it's going to build up, and you are not going to be able to start diminishing that principal until you pay off that interest which will accumulate for years and years and years if you decide to go with those lower lower payment rates. Yeah. Uh, and that's 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 a big problem. You know, it's it, I think we've we've already managed to pay, you know, tens of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. on these loans and we've still got over six figures to go. Like it's this is a massive amount of money. Yep. Uh, and it's it's staggering to think that that's even possible that we can find ourselves in these situations. I think we regard ourselves as being relatively responsible individuals, but there's no there's no recourse. There's no way that we could have possibly avoided, you know, those costs. Right. Like like many people out there. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, not to mention, like, apart from just sheer capital uh, and the monetary costs of receiving an education, there are all types of other. Uh, fees and extracurricular duties that uh, could possibly be uh, counted as part of the cost of education. Uh, take, for example, getting a, a, a degree in the medical field or various service industries mm-hmm. that will require you to have some type of indentured servitude in the form of an internship or a residency. Uh, those things are technically costing you a lot of money because instead of uh, going directly into the field you intend to work in, uh, and you know, being able to make a, a the premium salary that you assume that you would whenever you receive the degree, you instead have to go and work at a, a much lower rate than you normally would. Like, like theft rates. Like you're getting paid like minimum wage for doing doctor work. Yeah. Uh, so. I think that could also be factored into some costs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have all kinds of various uh, exams. Uh, you have upkeep on your degrees, uh, especially you know those uh, requiring an, an extended uh, uh, like your your doctorate degrees, your professional degrees that require this educational upkeep, right? You, you have to have a continuing education. Right. Right. Uh, and, and that also is going to cost a little bit. Uh, and these are things I think that are falling outside of these numbers for the most part. People aren't necessarily considering as part of the cost. Uh, and it's not going to cost you six figures in order to obtain those types of things. But, you know, it, it certainly does count. Yeah, know? definitely. It's it's uh, yeah, it's definitely a burden. And not only is it a burden in the sense of um, the cost of that alone um, affecting the quality of life of the individuals that has this debt and the upkeep of it. But also it, it seeps into every other aspect of life. Like let's say you wanted to start a small business, but you don't have the capital to start the small business because you don't want to take out another loan to compete with your original, you know, student debt loan or saving up enough capital in order to, uh, purchase a house or something like that and moving on with your your life as an individual uh, or any of these other expensive uh, things that people w- want to enjoy 
and uh, be a part of their life because of this. And I think this is definitely something that um, previous generations did not have to worry about to the extent that uh, millennials do. Well, yeah, yes. Uh, I think think there's a little bit of back and forth there. Uh, Because when you take it, when you take, for example, the prevalence of private institutions being able to give you a loan versus government institutions, uh, I think you see a shift toward uh, federal money being able to subsidize some of your desires in life uh, closer to our lifespan uh, rather than those of our parents or especially our grandparents who more often than not, or at least you know, because I grew up in Kentucky and many generations prior did, uh, were tenant farmers uh, and people who relied on uh, the property ownership of their landlords in order to actually be able to uh, subsidize their lives. Uh, when it comes to private loans in the modern day, you're not going to even be able to be able to take out a substantial loan to say buy a house unless you have other forms of uh, debt that you have accrued and then paid off uh, as kind of like this uh, this rite of passage. So, oh, like, to prove that you're able to do something like that. Are you referring to credit scores, Tim? Is that what you're <laughs> credit scores? That is precisely what I'm referring to. I, I have a, a terrible credit score, not because I've I've borrowed and not paid off, but because I haven't borrowed. Mm-hmm. I, I I just don't have that experience with taking huge chunks of money and spending it on things. <laughs> What we need to do, Tim, is we need to flip the script. We need to turn this into a sob story and about why our lives suck because we didn't take out student loans to start paying back. <laughs> and so we have no credit scores, so we can't buy things because no one will lend us money. That's because right. I have a similar issues for similar reasons. Yep. I'd love to be able to buy a house, but no. <laughs> but no. Gosh. Looks like it's <laughs> tiny houses for us, Jimmy. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, God damn it. I... Um, I okay. Okay, I was gonna start talking about trailers and how trailers make more sense than tiny houses, and how yes, we're dumb because you could get a trailer that's like the size of a house, like a real life house, not a tiny house, for less money. But that's a whole another thing. It's harder to move though, and in some jurisdictions, uh, I think they're you are going to be disinclined uh, to be able to settle inside of a trailer because that will bring a lot of the the housing prices down <laughs> well, a certain diameter around <laughs> that's why you see all like buy some land cut out some trees throw a trailer in there don't look at anyone for the rest of your life oh man that sounds wonderful doesn't it gosh as long as it's far enough away that you can avoid the debt collectors uh, yeah. oh wait you won't have any because you live in a trailer <laughs> oh yeah see it's a win-win the trailer's cheaper don't get debt from it you don't have to look at people Oh, great. Winning all around. Sounds fantastic. And then I'm just going to like, you know, like nobody has to get an education. I can just like educate myself. Mm-hmm. Just like get a bunch of books, read the books. Boom. I don't, I don't need a degree. I can just like live off the land or something like that. <laughs> Is that how that works? You just yes. like you have, have a bunch of trees around you and like there's like woodland creatures that like help you find water. Something like that. <laughs> oh, you got man. it. I just need enough to be able to pay for some solar panels. And then I think we're good to go. <sighs> but another annoying thing about student debt is also... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to reel it back. Is that... So you... you Let's say... I'm trying to think of an example here. Let's yep. say you decided you wanted to be a doctor, right? For whatever okay. you, you that was that was your plan. You're gonna become a doctor. Okay. And so you know that's like a very long career plan to become a doctor. So it's easily foreseeable that your car you could be six figures in debt to become some sort of doctor, right? Makes yep. sense. Okay. So mm-hmm. let's say you've done that. Yep. And then you you get out of medical school, you start practicing as a doctor, and you decide, I don't like being a doctor. <laughs> now, if you, if you didn't have all that debt, you might be able to say, like, okay, well, now I can, you know, go into some other field that I enjoy. But, 
more likely than not, what you're going to be stuck doing is you have all this debt. Your highest skill point is being a doctor. So that's like the <laughs> highest skill you can trade for money yep. in order to pay off this debt. So yep. now you're essentially going to be stuck doing this doctor thing you don't enjoy, making as much money as you possibly can to try to pay this back. And so that's like another very burdensome, awful yeah. thing. And I feel like a lot of people get stuck in that kind of trap yeah. uh, from from their education of whatever they got educated in doing that forever in order to pay off their debtors. Yeah. It's not like you can try it out beforehand. Like, hey, let's let's give it a little demo. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's not possible. Uh and on one hand, I, I see this function as being a good thing. Uh yeah. having people go through the ringer this educational gauntlet they eventually get to the point where they're actually engaging in the career that they have worked so hard to be able to break into. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they find out that they don't like it and they just hop off to something else. Like where would all our doctors be? What if, what if half of our doctors decided once they received their education that they just hopped right out of the field, that they just got their education in? Like how would we be able to accurately assess whether or not we're going to have enough doctors in the future if we start to see this this ever increasing decline, or even worse, what if we don't see any type of uh, you know linear progression over time mm-hmm. as to how many doctors we're going to have? Mm-hmm. So all of these people that have doctorates and professional degrees end up getting their degree and then just like wandering around doing whatever. Like we we've got all of these industries that are like just going to like ebb and flow depending on how all of these highly educated individuals feel, mm-hmm. which is fine, you know, because that's that's maximum freedom, right? They they have the ability to be able to affect the world how they choose at that point uh, because they they are not bound to any type of financial obligation to be able to pay off, uh, you know, said debt. Uh, and then this is hypothetically speaking in the instance that, uh, you know, education was fully subsidized even up to the doctorate level. Right. These people were going to be free from that debt after graduation. Right. Yeah. So this is, yeah, very theoretically thinking. Very but... theoretical. Yeah. Not, not completely impossible. And in fact, you know, could allow for a lot of very interesting and great circumstances in the future. Uh, but I think that. Um, future assessment is probably not one of them, you know, being able to assume that we are going to have plenty of doctors to be able to, you know, help with our, our heart disease crisis or, uh, you know, our, our rising obesity rates, right. Things of that matter. Hmm. But it really does just depend on the industry. And that really does suck because people are working really hard uh, to do something that is, could be hypothetically in, enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Like you don't, you don't necessarily know prior. Uh, and if they are stuck in the field, uh, you know, that they are without any type of, of forethought as to how it was going to be. And they're dissatisfied with it. They're probably not going to be providing you the best care either. Yeah. Ex- yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like we, we've all had that one, you know, uh, school teacher, when yep. we were in mm-hmm. either, you know, middle school, high school or what have you that obviously did not want to be there anymore, but was waiting for the retirement to hit. And oh, t- did, tell me about yours. Who, who's who is your favorite? Oh, I was like doing that. Um, yeah. I'm going to defer to you, but okay. I'm, I'm just I, I can't I don't have the name off the top of my head, but we've all experienced it. I'm just I'm just putting it out there. We I know I've experienced there's, it. There's any I'm, possible I'm not way that this teacher could hear what I'm about to say about her. You're gonna say horrible mean things. Oh, okay. So uh, I'll I'll preface it by saying that this individual was a little harsh on young people. Uh, <laughs> I okay. So I was in first grade, and I remember. Oh telling, God, this is first grade. This is first grade, and I remember telling uh like. Like like recently, it's been within like the past five years that I was just discussing what this teacher would do to us. Uh, and like somebody – I heard somebody say like, Jesus, what? And I was like, well, why did you say that? And they're like, well, they shouldn't be doing that to a first grader. And I was like, well, oh, I had no idea. I thought that's just how 
you know, first, I thought they like break you in before you go into like second grade, you know, like where oh my God. you hit the really hard stuff. Um, but it was mostly just like, I think it's the jump between those two age groups gets a little bit difficult. You can't really control it. can't really rally first graders. I, I feel uh, like you're giving this person excuses. Like I don't you're, know. You're, you're being an apologist yeah. for your abuser. And now I want to know what I they did, did the entire time, but they, they would do like ridiculous stuff. Like, uh, I think my favorite was the circle on the chalkboard. Uh, whenever you got in trouble, uh, they, instead of, I don't know what, what teachers and educators do to punish children these days, but she would draw a circle on the chalkboard, which uh-huh. was just higher than where your nose was. Wait, she uh, would make you put your nose in the you circle. Put, you have to put your nose in the circle on the chalkboard and you had to like, <laughs> kind of stand on your tippy toes. In order to do it. <laughs> what so, archaic. Yeah, it's archaic bullshit. And, uh, the, it was humiliating. Like all the kids like immediately would like start laughing so it was like a form of uh, like humiliation, humiliation. Yeah. And social shaming. Yeah. Uh, and it, it would be for like stupid shit. Like I would I would be like like drawing. Right. I love to draw. I love to sketch. I yeah, wasn't attention. Yeah, that's bad. Mm-hmm. But uh, because of my distraction, I, I paid for it <laughs> with the fucking nose in the circle thing. Jesus. Yeah. It's my my one example. <laughs> That's, uh, but yeah, that's crazy. She, probably, she was probably dissatisfied with what she was doing. She didn't seem happy to be there. She's probably a, a, a unhappy to be there because I got rid of corporal punishment in schools and she couldn't beat little kids anymore. <laughs> it's probably why she was disgruntled. Um, for everybody that's interested, we did an episode on corporal punishment not too long ago. Uh, very good stuff. Uh, and in reference to that, uh, corporal punishment is still legal in some U.S. schools. Wait, what? Yes. You can you can still you what? can still spank a child as long as you receive parental consent. The fuck? Yep. I did not know that. Like in like, but I think like most of them are southern states. That's huh. yeah. It's I I can't remember whether it's I think it's a it's this this thing that you found in state legislature. That's um, weird. But I don't think it's federally mandated that like all corporal punishment is is outlawed. Whatever. If Someone out there finds some kind of law that disproves us, please write us. We would love to know what your opinion is about corporal punishment, about uh, the student loan debt crisis, um, or any of the things that we might have said incorrectly in this. (laughs) Please, please, please let us know. Hey, Mrs. Green, I want you to spank my kid. Actually, I don't feel comfortable doing that. I'm, I'm out here. I signed the paper. Spank my kid. I'm, spank him. I don't. They haven't even done anything wrong. Why would I spank my kid? Damn it! They did. They done it wrong. All right. Oh God. Um. Other fun news. Uh. So the debt crisis in America is so bad in, in correlation to student debt that there is over a trillion dollars. Of mm. student debt in America, actually 1.5 trillion, and that 0.5 is important because that's 500 billion dollars. So that's Jeez. oh my god. How many? There's a like a crap ton of people in default too, aren't there? Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I seven yeah. million over seven million. Uh, yeah, because there's 44 million Americans Six. with student loan debt and. Yeah, so seven million—that's a large percentage of them. Well, because then, so we talked about how you you have these. We were talking about uh, interest rates earlier, and uh-huh. how you know if you pay, a lot of times if you're if you're paying like the minimum, you may not even be getting rid of your principal, so you could just basically pay for student loan debt until you die. Just be like, well, yeah. this is two hundred dollars a month. I'm going to spend for the rest of my fucking life. Yep. Because, and so, and there are people that do that. There are people that pay the bare minimum just because they realize there's no way they're going to be able to get ahead of it. Uh, the amount they owe, because I've also uh, read stories and heard of people that the amount they owe now is more than they used to owe. Like, you know, they had $20,000 of like student loan debt, you know, 10, yeah. 15 years ago in order to go to college. But now they have like $50,000 of, le- of debt based on like the interest rate or whatever. It's Oh, because it's, it capitalizes. Yeah. It's just yeah. fucking gross. 
Yeah, that that is pretty fucking gross. It's like uh, it's like yeah, I've been paying money for twenty years, and I owe more than I did when I took out this loan. Like, yeah, God, it, it works out really well for the the loaner. Yeah, yeah, it, if you just got enough money. Well, unless they default, of course. Well, if we're gonna talk about loaners and talk about banks. Let's let's think about it. How well it's working out for them. Let's think about any downtown cityscape. And what do you see at the top of all the fucking skyscrapers? What do you see, Tim? At the top of skyscrapers? What do you see at the top of skyscrapers, Tim? Uh, 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 I don't know. The names of fucking banks, Tim. Any goddamn city you go to, at the top of the skyscrapers, you're going to see the names of banks. You're going to see Wells Fargo. You're going to see Chase. Because those are basically big, giant cocks. A Rex Cox <laughs> they put in the center of the city to remind everybody how much cock money they have with their giant cock buildings. That they <laughs> have the audacity to put their fucking names on it and just rub it in the face of anyone that looks up into the skyline. That is what they're doing. And they're right. able to do this with your fucking student loan debt money. Yeah, that's that's probably <sighs> for for reference, anybody out there that's that's curious, uh it's generally regarded as uh inappropriate or immoral you know even as a base definition to rub your penis in anyone else's face uh without consent that's what they're doing yes don't do that it's very bad uh banks uh you guys are exempt because you have all the money so you get to make all the rules like they should be ashamed of how disgustingly rich they are like off of like their predatory credit cards and interest rates yeah. practices. Like these, these skyscrapers should just be completely blacked out. They should be like hiding their names from us. So that way we don't know how disgustingly rich they are, but no, they don't even care. They fucking flaunt it. Yeah. Oh yeah. <sighs> it's a source of pride. <clears throat> I hate it. You got to make it uh, uh, to where they can't do that. I don't know. I, I don't have any power in that situation. I have no idea. I, I have think, no idea how to even stop it. I have no solution. I have no way to solve it. The only no. thing I can do here is try to find a silver lining. Yeah, it's probably a good time for that. I'm just going to get louder and angrier. That's great. I, I, I like it. I, I appreciate the passion. It, is, you nice. know, it bums me out. So silver lining here. What does uh, what a student debt... So, this the, so the student debt... It is a uh, financial representation of the fact that more people are getting educated in the United States. So, and if we like look back at the the nineteen sixty five Student Whatever Act of whatever signed by Lyndon <laughs> B. Johnson. We can see that part of the reason why there's so much debt is because of the of our federal government trying to take an interest in in making sure that everyone can have an education. And so that's part of this. More people of lower income brackets are able to obtain these educations. It's just unfortunate that these fucking... (laughs) bastards are taking advantage of these low interest rate loans that the government's offering to help people get an education and charging as much as possible in order to game the system and become filthy rich. Yeah. And in addition to that, it also encourages you to think very carefully on whether or not you actually need an education, or I would hope that you would consider alternatives to uh, the stereotypical uh, two, four, doctorate degrees there are many different ways out there that individuals can go without college and be totally happy well-educated functional members of our society go become a welder go to some technical school get some welding skill make seventy thousand dollars an hour not an hour a year no no seven oh gosh (laughs) but you know what i'm saying yeah a lot of be that kind of welder (laughs) a, a lot of these hard skills you're going to make more money and pay less money getting the education for him. Yep. Uh, yep. Oh, make, man. Uh, well, that was a doozy. 
Is there anything that you're sad about, Jimmy? Um, let's see here. <laughs> I'm looking around my room to see if there's anything making me sad in yeah. my room. There's just like a little gremlin over in the corner, like he keeps breaking my stuff. <laughs> yeah, he keeps... that's that thing. I'm I'm uh, I'm upset about this gremlin. <laughs> I'm upset. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well. Um. What do you got, Tim? I'm gonna keep thinking. Yeah, I'm sad about. Um. You were talking to me about some allergies earlier, but I think you were sad about allergies last week too. Yeah, well, I guess the, the sadness continues. The sadness, you're, you're yeah. sad because you still have allergies? I've been trying to hold it together. I've got uh, I've got these conically shaped straws shoved up my nose to help me breathe right now. Really? No. Oh, I was like, wow. <laughs> I've got I've got full scuba gear going on. Uh, oh, I thought it was something to be sad about. I'm trying not to sound congested because I know that's um, – that might be a disgusting thing to listen to if I'm like hawking up a lung or sniffling the whole time. So sorry to all of our listeners. Thank you for putting up with it. So you you know like the saying of time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. That makes me sad because it's so true. Yesterday yeah. I was working on my little cars. I, I I think I've mentioned my little gasland thing where I <laughs> kit bash little little Hot Wheel cars. Uh-huh. And uh, I went over to my friend's place, and I think I got there around two. And I was like, "Yeah, I'll just hang out here and kit bash some cars for like, you know, a few hours, and then I'm gonna go have dinner with my girlfriend." And I swear, like, I got there, and then I went in the time machine, and then it was like six o'clock, and I felt <laughs> like a kid that had to like leave his like friend's house to go home for dinner. I was just yep. like, "Oh, well, I had a lot of fun. This was like the best day ever. Um, mm-hmm. guess I'll I'll hang out later. Bye." Yeah, that sucks. It does suck. Like, it was fun. So, obviously, time flew because I was having fun. But it just, you know, like, why can't that happen when I go to work? Like, why can't <laughs> I, like, get to work and then I just blink my eyes and I'm like, oh, what do you know? My work day is over. I, I can yeah. do whatever I want now. I'll just, uh, I'll just take all this boatload of money that I made from blinking my eyes. Yeah. I'm going to go spend it on uh, Hot Wheels cars. Exactly. <laughs> That's that's my dream right now. Gosh, if you're able to just take like a an entire day's wage and spend it all on Hot Wheels cars, dude, that'd be so many Hot Wheels cars. They're yeah. like, there's. Speaking of like inflation, how the fuck has like student college costs gone up like exponentially? But Hot Wheel cars are still a dollar. Like they've been <laughs> like a dollar forever. How is this possible? Uh, I think it, the answer lies in uh, Hot Wheel car subsidies. Oh my god, <laughs> that'd be amazing. Oh gosh, I don't know, man. It's one of the uh, it's one of the enigmas of our time. But it's true, right? Like everything's yeah. getting more expensive, but Hot Wheels are still just a dollar. Yeah, maybe uh, Hot Wheels should be our standard for currency. Oh my god. Yeah. Hey, I think you'd be pretty well set, but you're also kind of like you're messing with them. You're changing that's, them around, which is probably against the federal law. Right. It'd be like counterfeiting or whatever. Of like yep. you're not. Oh my god. Yeah, you're not allowed to put a little rocket launcher in your Hot Wheel car. That's definitely <laughs> yeah. not allowed. Damn it! Fucking yeah. bastards trying to tell me how to live my goddamn life. Alteration of currencies. Yeah. BS. I'm becoming a libertarian. <laughs> nice. Oh man. Well. Oh, all right. Um, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, uh, of course, we, we want to hear back from you all, as I yeah. mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, so please, 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 uh, you can find us uh, at a couple of places. Where can they find us, Jimmy? All right. So if you are interested in uh, giving us some suggestions, correcting us for saying the wrong thing <laughs> or otherwise, uh, or letting us know what makes you sad, please email us at cynicempowerment at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We'd love to hear from you from there. We also have a Facebook page, even though Facebook's an evil, horrible corporation. Yes. And you can like us and find us there at uh, Cynic Empowerment. And feel free to uh, send us a message. Let us know your thoughts. We would love to hear from you. And uh, you may be featured on a listener response episode in the future if you do so. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've got a, a one of those coming out uh, pretty soon. Have, have we aired that already? It's already out. It's already out. Nice. So yeah, check out the uh, the previous listener response episode, uh, and you can you can tell kind of how we go about that. 
Uh, and if you do want to remain anonymous, in this previous one, we would decided not to do that. Uh, we wanted to make sure that everybody got the credit for the great things they had to say. Uh, but just to include that at, at some point in your message, and uh, we'll keep it private, and we'll still air it. You know, that's yeah. that's great information. We'd love to hear back from you all. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, until next time, uh, we'll, uh, we'll hope that you keep your head up, everybody. Yeah, keep your head up. Bye-bye. Bye. Hell. Yeah.